0: Is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Meyer. Viewpoint is a one hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now, with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Meyer. Can humans become gods? That's our question here today on Viewpoint, and it might catch you by surprise. You see, spiritual democracy is a concept, I would say, that's well suited for our postmodern culture demanding the universal choice to fit every individual's predilection, however changing, vacillating that might be. In, in fact, if every woman should have the power to choose whether or not to preserve the life of a child who would be born as one made in God's image, surely we should all be empowered to create a God or Messiah in our own image, right? A Messiah made like unto us. In this gratuitous me, me, me generation, well, democracy is a form of government, an attitude of the heart giving man supreme power and authority over himself. So, however absurd it may seem, if a woman has the right to kill her child for reasons uniquely justified by her, a man therefore might similarly, for reasons uniquely justified by him, claim the right to rape. You see, that's the dangerous folly of pure democracy. It was well understood by America's founders and rejected as an unavoidable and unsustainable form of government. And that is where every person does that which is right in his or her own eyes as a perverse or pernicious expression of liberty. And our founders cringed at the concept of pure democracy. Where man himself becomes essentially an absolute sovereign, a virtual God, or self-ordained Messiah. And so today on Viewpoint, we want to take a look at that idea. Because, in fact, whether you realize it or not, we are moving very, very rapidly in that direction. Very rapidly indeed. And... It is a confluence of political thinking, religious thinking, or the lack thereof, and uh, scientific thinking. They are merging together to form a, a viewpoint that basically assumes that you and I are becoming God. Isn't that interesting, because... It was Time Magazine on April 5th, 1993, that basically declared the same thing. Here, they were acknowledging that people were flooding back to church after Gulf War One. that church would never again be the same. And they said the reason church would never again be the same is because of this. Time Magazine, a liberal news magazine, got right to the heart of the matter. They said Americans are creating a custom-made God, one made in their own image. In other words, the thinking of American minds and hearts was actually being transformed from believing in a God, a creator God, who was the ruler of the universe, sovereign in all respects, to believing that we are really that sovereign. We are really the final arbiter of truth. We are creating a God in our own image. In fact, we are becoming God. Now, looking at this in the context of a poll, the uh, Gallup poll The most recent Gallup poll that I have in my hand said that 81% believe in God, and that was down from 87% in 2017. Well, that was down from 96 or so percent in 1994. We have seen a gradual decreasing in the belief in God. But only 4 in 10 people believe that God can intervene on people's behalf. So they really don't believe in a God who is active. They don't really believe in a God who is really there. It's just some abstraction, some general broad concept. Between 1944 and 2011, more than 90% of Americans believed in God. But that number is decreasing rapidly and has now reached a new low point. Gallup's been asking this question since 1944, repeating again in 1947 and twice each in the 1950s and 1960s. But now belief in God has fallen the most in recent years among young adults and people on the left of the political spectrum, liberals and Democrats. By the way, I'm not making this up. This is coming from the Gallup poll. So... How does this fit in the greater panoply of America's belief and whether or not we have even a remote concept of the God of the Bible? And if we don't, then what concept do we have? Do we believe in, shall we say, a cafeteria Christ? Chapter 11 of my book, Messiah, the most recent of my books, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, is called Cafeteria Christ. The choice of Messiah becomes the hinge of history, both for Jew and Gentile. Spiritual democracy. That's what we might call it. The Cafeteria Christ, spiritual democracy. Who doesn't like to go to a cafeteria and you get all the choices that you want? The cafeteria is the ultimate democracy for food. You get to pick and you get to choose, and there are hundreds of different choices that you can make. You create your own meal, and you'll like it. Whether it's the Golden Corral or some other kind of food democracy. But when you convert that same line of thinking over into the spiritual realm, you begin to get into trouble. And that's where we are today in America and growingly around the world. And so I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Meyer. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. This may be one of the most important things that we could consider, and yet in some respects it seems so esoteric. God. What is God? Who is God? and yet the Bible says there's only one God. He's the maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ was the second person of the Trinity, and by him were all things made that were made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He was the express image of God, the Father, full of grace and truth. And then when Jesus ascended back to the Father, he said, I'm going to send... My spirit, the Holy Spirit, to you, and He's going to direct you into all truth. In other words, He is going to be your on earth continuing representation of both me, Jesus, and the Father, God. So without the Holy Spirit, you see, we don't have God with us. God with us, the hope of glory. God in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So why does Michael Foss say and write a book called How to Become God? Let's talk about it when we get back. To Become God, that's the title of a book by Michael Faust. He says every day brings a new opportunity, the chance to do the unthinkable, to change everything once and for all, to become God. He said there is no more sacred task than becoming God. He said the greatest challenge facing the human race isn't global warming or overpopulation or financial chaos, it's Consciousness. It's not evolution that's in charge. We are, he said. It's up to us what we do with it. It's up to us to raise our consciousness to the next level. He said God's consciousness is complete through us. He is not perfect. That is, God is not perfect, he said, until we are, until you are. So God is inside all of us, he said. By venturing into our unconscious, we will have the opportunity to find God at our center. We can all become God. The God program that allows us to accomplish this transcendent feat, he says. Well, that's just a few excerpts from the introduction to his book, How to Become God. Can we really become God? Can humans become gods? Well, according to Mormon theology, as man is, God once was, and as God is, man is becoming or can become. That's kind of a distillation of it. Some people try to run from that uh, within the Mormon church because they know that that's a very troubling statement, but indeed that is Mormon theology and has never been reputed. Refuted, rather. So we see a tendency, a strong tendency within certainly the Western world, but not just the Western world, throughout the entire world, to begin to see ourselves as God. And one of the things that makes it easier for us to do that is a political concept called democracy. Democracy is the rule of the people. The rule of the people. Now, if the people are those who fear God and love God by doing his will and obeying his voice and following in his footsteps, then, indeed, the rule of the people becomes the rule of God. But what if the people reject the rule of God, do not fear God, do not do his will, rebel against his will, then in fact the rule of the people, democracy, becomes the elevation or apotheosis of the people to Godhood. We become God in our own image. And that's exactly what Time Magazine was concerned about on April 5th, 1993, when they said that Americans were flooding back to church and the church would never again be the same. The reason? Because Americans are looking for a custom-made God, one made in their own image. In other words, another way to put that is they are becoming God. They are their own rulers. We are our own sovereigns, and there is no sovereign other than us, and therefore we will be our own messiah we will save ourselves so the choice of messiah then becomes the hinge of uh, of history of spiritual history both for jew and for gentile it just does and right now we are in the midst of a growing rapidly growing sense that we actually are the captain of our faith, the ruler of our souls, and indeed, we are becoming our own Messiah. We will save ourselves. And it's fascinating, as I go back, and I've reported this a number of times here on the program, about 20-some years ago... Uh, I was in a layover in, in uh, I believe it was Cincinnati, no, it was in Los Angeles, a, a, a layover in Los Angeles with Delta, Delta Airlines, and uh, I was sitting in Delta's special room, whatever they call it, and uh, across from me was a gentleman. We began to have a nice little conversation, and he identified himself as a uh, international engineer for the Sony Corporation. Very fascinating individual. And he was so excited, so proud about uh, uh, technology and what uh, uh, they were doing through the Sony Corporation and uh, uh, his understanding of the greater trajectory of technology. And so he was telling me, among other things, that, uh, and this, bear in mind, this was over 20 years ago. He was saying that the time is coming very soon when we won't need uh, telephones because they will all be implants. So we'll be walking telephones, so to speak. We'll think and communicate through our thoughts. And we'll have built-in, as it were, telephones. We'll be able to speak without speaking, so to speak. But as he was sharing these various ideas, technological developments, And without stopping a beat, he said, and the day is coming when we will be God. Those are his exact words. The day is coming when we will be God. Now, in my book, uh, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, there's an entire chapter that deals with this technological salvation. Indeed, that is exactly the mind and heart set of scientific salvation that we are creating a technology that, you can call it transhumanism, that's another term for it, transhumanism, which is turning us from mere humans into gods. The transhuman's ultimate goal is for humans to escape death and live forever in a state of immortality. That's a direct quote from Patrick Wood in Technocracy, News, and Trends. So that's the view, that's the vision, where humans will be satisfied only to be not just like God, but will persist to become God. The goal is to ascend beyond the human race to Godhood. And they believe that through technology... They can accomplish that. So you might want to pick up a copy of the book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, and uh, chapter 13, called The Scientific Salvation, will open the door, and it begins with this uh, quote, turning into gods. That was the title of Jason Silva's documentary in 2012. The year before, he noted in an interview with Forbes magazine, America's foremost business magazine, that, and here's a quote, We are the species that transcends our limitations, and so, with turning into gods, I want to ignite a new conversation about who and what we are as we face exponential change. He made clear that the mind-heart-motivation connection, revealing what might otherwise to most be a mystery, was we want to transcend our biological limitations. In other words, we don't want to be physical human beings anymore. We want to become God. We are going to supersede and ascend beyond our human form to become gods in the flesh, every single one of us. Therefore, you can only conclude from that that the vision is to become your own Messiah. Now, if that's true, then when you look at the word democracy and the implications of the word democracy, you begin to understand why our founders despised the idea of pure democracy. Because they saw within that word and its implications, they saw the wickedness that would come when men, humankind, rejecting God and his sovereignty in their life, would ultimately begin to think of themselves as sovereign, and therefore as gods, and all hell would break loose. Without a God, with everyone being God, and unrestrained by God, and the fear of God pandemonium would break loose in the country and throughout the world. So they despise pure democracy. So it's unfortunate that you hear our politicians, both Republican and Democrat, continually referring to our democracy, our democracy, our democracy. We don't have a pure democracy. We have a republic, as Benjamin Franklin said, if you can keep it. And we're not doing a very good job of keeping it now because we're gradually drifting away from the concept of the Republic, a representative democracy into a pure democracy with the supreme and absolute lordship of every individual as the ultimate sovereign over his or her own life in the absence of God, the ultimate sovereign of the universe. It's a very dangerous, dangerous situation that we're in. It's a counterfeit messiah that's being developed, conceived in our minds. It's as the, the, the word apotheosis, which, uh, uh refers to becoming divine or deification to make divine. It's the apotheosis of every human being. We're not just made in God's image. We are becoming God without God. Everyone is his own God, and therefore everyone becomes his own Messiah. I urge you to get a copy of my book, Messiah Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, because it reveals so much about what is really, really happening and uh, how. People's minds and hearts are so deceived and are becoming increasingly deceived so that they basically have no anchor for their soul. There is nothing to restrain anymore. The fear of the Lord is no longer a restraint uh, in our country by and large. And so every man does that which is right in his own eyes because he's becoming, in his own mind, his own sovereign, he is God. And ain't nobody going to tell me what to do, including Jesus Christ. He's whoever I want him to be. If I want him to be gentle, Jesus sweet and mild with a halo, then that's who he is. If I want him to be a healer, but not a somebody who correct me and to call me to live in righteousness and to repent, then that's who he is. In other words, he is who I want him to be not who he really is. That's the democratic thinking that is reconfiguring the Messiah himself. And, friends, it is exceedingly dangerous. Get a copy of the book, Messiah Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Uh, It's uh, $22 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 7, 0879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. And I can guarantee you, you haven't read anything like this book. Because there just isn't anything out there like it. It's a whole different way of looking at the coming of the Messiah in the face of all of the other alternative messiahs and messianic thinking that are deceiving the whole world, including many Christians. Isn't that exactly what Jesus said was going to happen? Right there in Matthew chapter 24, his disciples came to him two days before his crucifixion uh, on the Mount of Olives, and they asked him what would be the sign of his coming to the end of the age. And the very first thing that Jesus said was, take heed that no man deceive you. That was the very first thing on his mind. Why? Apparently, Jesus knew deep in his spirit that deception was going to be the ruling spirit of the age immediately preceding his second coming. And he didn't stop there, by the way. He went on to say, and many are going to come in my name, even in my name and deceive many. In other words, they're going to create counterfeit Christs. They're going to create pseudo Christ, And then, he said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. Endures what? Endures the deception. Endures the deception of the cafeteria Christ, of the democratic sovereignty. There's nothing wrong with the concept of democracy If the people are all under God and fear the Lord, the problem is we don't. We'll be back. There is so much more
1: about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind.
0: The Apostle Paul understood all of this, and uh, he talked about the characteristics of the end times. He talked to it to uh, Timothy, his ministry sidekick. And this cafeteria plan of many truths and many choices to please our spiritual palates would be very enticing. In fact, Paul wrote this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine or teaching, but after their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and should be turned to fables. Now, he was talking about people in general, but he was also talking about professing Christians. So apparently we're easily seduced by the savor of offerings at the spiritual buffet table that provide temporary satisfaction but leave us without an enduring sustenance either for life or for eternity. So the purpose, the purported democratic faith is very deceiving and can lead to perdition. So we want to see what this looks like. And do you have discernment? Do you think you have discernment to choose that which is true amid the democratic offerings of feelings-based faith out there? It seems like an awful lot of people, an awful lot of professing Christians have already been seduced. So we're going to take a look at one of these offerings called Baha'i Teachings for the New World. Baha'i. Now, you may or may not have heard of Baha'i, and you may think, well, that's just peripheral. That that that's not something for me to be concerned about. Oh, well, by the time we're through today, you will understand it is something for you to be concerned about. So We'll introduce it by saying, welcome to the Baha'i World Order. The concept of a world order, a federation of the globe's nations, a universal tribunal, a parliament of man, represents the inevitable next step in our collective maturation, humanity's best hope for peace. That comes from Baha'iTeachings.org, right there on the internet. The Baha'i faith incorporates, at its very core, the democratic ideal. Every Baha'i decision-making body is democratically elected, and no clergy exists in the Baha'i faith. The fact That fact rules out the possibility of a Baha'i theocracy. The foundation of this cause is pure spiritual democracy and not theocracy. That comes directly from the leader of Baha'i. The Baha'i faith encourages the independent investigation of truth, supports the thought, and upholds the right of unrestricted individual belief. In democracy, because thought and speech are not restricted, the greatest progress is witnessed, they say. It's, like, it's likewise true in the world of religion, according to Baha'i. The new way of looking at faith. As the free exercise of each person's conscience and consciousness uh, differs drastically from many of the old and ossified religious traditions, declares Baha'i. To Baha'i there are no insiders or outsiders, no saved or damned, no clean or unclean, no believer or apostate, no righteous or infidel, no other out there. It's all me. So, The obvious conclusion is that all truth from the Baha'i viewpoint is defined exclusively by an individual's personal belief at any particular moment. No matter how widely or exclusively it may differ from a million other self-ordained beliefs. So every person then becomes his own or her own democratically ordained and self-anointed messiah. And that kind of application of democracy is essential to obtain the otherwise illusory goal of a one-world unity to undergird the rapidly emerging and divine-defying one-world order. But the democratically desired and demanded ends have to justify whatever means to achieve it however abused the foundational truths upon which they are based may be. So, here's what the New World Order of Baha'i states. Mankind's desire for peace can be realized only by the creation of a world government. They're quoting Albert Einstein. We need on a... we stand on the threshold of an age whose convulsions proclaim alike the death pangs of the old order and the birth pangs of the new. From a Baha'i perspective, the phrase new world order refers to the progressive, inevitable next stage in global governance, a worldwide spiritual democracy. That's a quote. So welcome to the dispensation of the Cafeteria Christ, gloriously presented for your personal selection at the Democratic Buffet Table of Baha'i. This is a big deal, friends. It's a much bigger deal than you might possibly imagine. So we're going to take a look uh, more at the uh, the United Nations Savior which basically is rooted deeply in the Baha'i faith that you may never have heard of or only thought of parenthetically and said, well, that's irrelevant to me. It may be irrelevant to you, but it's not irrelevant to the United Nations that's dedicated to uniting the nations into a one-world order. And here's what Pope Francis said. A one-world government is the only way to save humanity. Should I repeat that? Pope Francis, the head of the Roman Catholic Church, says a one-world government is the only way to save humanity. Do you realize what is implicit in that statement? He doesn't believe a Messiah is necessary to save humanity. What we really need is a one-world government. What we really need is to save ourselves. What we really need is every man, every woman to become his own divine essence, his own, uh, shall we say, democratically ordained apotheosis. He becomes divine in his own right, and therefore, all of us collectively, with good will, save the world and we don't need a Messiah. I hope you're, you're, you're somehow uh, grasping the dramatic movement that's afoot here, friends. So, the head of the Messiah, of high, declares himself the promised one of all nations and religions. He claims to be the king of kings and lord of lords, the world's savior and redeemer, promised in all sacred scriptures. His name is Bahula, the founder of the Baha'i faith in the latter half of the 19th century, the late 1800s. His son, Abdu'l-Baha, was his appointed successor. He gave many public dissertations in America which were published in the promulgation of universal peace that declared Baha'i to be the foundation of all divine religions. So, if you're not familiar, you will be familiar. If you get a copy of my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, chapter 12 is called The United Nations Savior. And it reveals the profound nature of the United Nations reliance upon Baha'i as the foundation for its Religious unity necessary to create the one world government or order. Are you listening? Again, I want to make the book available to you, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. It's a uh, uh, $22 book, uh, loaded, and it will open your eyes to what is really taking place, the alternative Messiahs, Jesus said this is exactly what to expect. The Apostle Paul warned, the Apostle Peter warned, the Apostle John warned. It's the spirit of Antichrist, which is Christ replacement, not just against Christ, but Christ replacement, and ultimately, you are becoming the Christ replacement. That's the spirit of the age. You, individually, are becoming the Christ replacement, and all of the billions of people, the 8 billion people on the planet that are allowed to live that will embrace this spirit, others will be selected out, in other words, not allowed to continue on the earth. Those who remain and continue on the earth, part of this new order, will all be seen individually individually as gods in their own right. And since each one is seen to be a god in his own right, not one person will be able to take advantage of another because that way you'd be taking advantage of God. You won't be able to disagree or argue with someone else because you're arguing with God, with a god. And therefore, by that thinking then, We will have peace on earth. The Antichrist will adopt this kind of system and promise peace on earth, goodwill toward men as we're all saving ourselves and no need for a divine Messiah because you are the divinity incarnate. That's the spirit of Baha'i. So get a copy of the book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Uh, It's uh, $22. On our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 7, 0879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Let me say this. For Over 28 years now, every single day, five days a week, live, fresh programming, every single day, always with a view to preparing the way of the Lord in your life, in my life, in the life of the church, in the life of our country, and so on, for history's final hour. Is that worthy of your investment? Just ask it. If so. Why don't you become a part? Do it today. We'll be right back.
1: Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Click Cell Church.
0: According to the Baha'i dispensation, the leader of Baha'i says, I am the primal point from which have been generated all created things. I am the countenance of God, the light of God, and all the keys of heaven God hath chosen to place on my right hand, The keys of hell on my left, and I am one of the sustaining pillars of the primal word of God. Think about this, friends. Does this not sound like the ultimate form of blasphemy? But it continues. The Bab is likewise the son of truth, and his light the light of truth. He says, I am the interpreter of the word of God. His Holiness, the Exalted One, the Bab is the manifestation of the unity and oneness of God and the forerunner of the ancient beauty, the supreme manifestation of God, the dayspring of his most divine essence. The Bab is the perfect exemplar of his teachings, the unerring interpreter of his word, the embodiment of every Baha'i ideal, the incarnation of every Baha'i virtue. He is above and beyond these titles, the mystery of God I am. Are you listening? Now, you may think this is pretty far out, but this is real. This is what they believe, and we're going to see how that thinking has been adopted into the so-called secular world government agency known as the United Nations. So, this is the Baha'i... Dispensation, you might say. The incarnation of God religion is the greatest of all means for establishing of order in the world, declared Abdul Baha. The the Baha'i faith sees the United Nations as the vessel by which the unifying of the world's religions into one faith will come to fruition. Their plan for the future of our world and the role of the United Nations in a regionalized world are an eerily complete and detailed picture of biblical prophecy. The Baha'i faith is a popular religion of ecumenism. And political correctness embraced by the United Nations and other interfaith organizations, the popularity of Baha'i can largely be attributed to its attempts to unify all faiths, prophets, and the entire Human race. Now they got a, a nine sided building, a temple in Illinois, representing the world's nine living religions, symbolizing the unity of all religions. So you can see why uh, the United Nations and why Baha'i is promoted vigorously by the United Nations and plays a major role in all United Nations spiritual events. It does. So you can say, welcome to the rebuilding of the ancient Tower of Babel, the spirit of which never departed from God-defying humanity, determined to democratically define our own destiny without divine submission. The world's elite have determined that the time is short and that we, what we do we must do quickly, and therefore... The world has turned to Baha'i. So, let's take a look at what their teachings are for the new world order. This, This is breathtaking, friends. So, the vision is that history as we've known it will be vacated in favor of the fulfillment of a vast, an all-encompassing unity or oneness of humanity that's going to supersede or rise above all previous historical efforts for one-world dominion. Mankind will have finally reached the divine pinnacle where all of us are honored as becoming gods in our own right. This is the democratic rise or deification of man. So what universal dogma or teachings are going to undergird this kind of vision? Well, I have in front of me, believe it or not, and in my possession, a little booklet. It's blue, a little tiny booklet, and here is what it says on the front. And by the way, I've taken a a picture of it right in my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. It's called Baha'i, the teachings for the new world order. So we're going to take a look at some of these. Are you ready? This is all part of the deification of every human being in order to achieve the spiritual tenets of Baha'i. These are excerpts from the public presentations of Abdul Baha'i in America in 1912 that were published in the Promulgation of Universal Peace. These are the principles that form the foundation not only of the Baha'i faith, but also it's embraced by the United Nations, which interestingly, Pope Francis and Pope Benedict XVI declared to be the unifying hope of humanity for the universal common good and for a new evangelization of society. So here are the basic Baha'i principles. In effect, the new gospel for global oneness, unity, and peace to which the world's peoples have to be evangelized. Here they are. The oneness of mankind, the universal peace upheld by a world government, independent investigation of truth, in other words, every person defines the truth for themselves, the common foundation of all religions, the essential harmony of science and religion, Equality of men and women, elimination of prejudice of all kinds, universal compulsory education, in other words, indoctrination, a spiritual solution to economic problems, and a view universal auxiliary language. In other words, you have to speak the new speak of Baha'i. So it's the new world dogma. To place this historical moment right now in spiritual perspective, Pope Francis addressed the United Nations General Assembly in its celebration of its 70th anniversary in 2015. There he declared, quoting Pope John Paul uh, VI, the edifice of modern civilization has to be built on spiritual principles. So Francis made clear his previous Pope's position as to the Vatican's effusive embrace of the UN as the geopolitical entity to merge with the Vatican's perceived moral spiritual aura to bring about the New World Order, referencing even the UN's 2030 agenda. It's the fifth time that a Pope had visited the United Nations, Now, we don't have time to go into all of the words of glorification that Pope Francis and others gave concerning the U.N. However, a commentary following Pope Francis's speech to the U.N. on its 70th anniversary in response to his encyclical called Laudato Si, also issued in 2015, pierced through all the multiplied nice-sounding words to the very heart of the matter. And here it is. Francis revealed the dogma that he intends to replace belief in Christ as Savior. He is advocating for Catholics to unite behind a one-world government and surrender their freedom and sovereignty to international interests. That same submission to globalist dogma was further defined and declared by Pope Benedict XVI in 2009 when he stated, There is urgent need of a true world political authority. As my predecessor, the blessed John XXIII, indicated some years ago, called for creating a true world political authority with real teeth, believing that the United Nations can be reformed to be the basis for this new global entity. So, the Roman Catholic Church is shall we say, doing the dance with the spirit of Baha'i. It's all about the ultimate goal. A global order to bring peace on earth, goodwill to men, without the need for a coming Messiah. Therefore, Humanity becomes its own messiah. So we turn again to the beliefs of Baha'i set forth in the teachings, Baha'i teachings of the New World Order in the 2003 edition. The world's equilibrium has been upset through the vibrating influence of this most great, this New World Order. Mankind's ordered life has been revolutionized through the agency of this unique, this wondrous system, the like of which mortal eyes have never witnessed. Unification of the whole of mankind is the hallmark of the stage which human society is now approaching. World unity is the goal towards which a harassed humanity is striving. Nation building has come to an end. Now you know why those who embrace all of this despise Donald Trump, who said he was going to make America great again. Nation-building has come to an end, they say. The anarchy inherent in state sovereignty is moving towards a climax. A world must abandon this fetish, recognize the oneness and wholeness of human relationships, and establish once and for all the machinery that can best incarnate this fundamental principle of its life. That, my friends, is what Joe Biden and his administration is about. That's why... He refuses to close the southern border. The unity of the human race, as envisaged, implies the establishment of a world commonwealth in which all nations, races, creeds, and classes are closely and permanently united. The commonwealth must Consist of a world legislature whose members will, as the trustees of the whole of mankind, ultimately control the entire resources of all component nations and will enact such laws as should be required to regulate the life, satisfy the needs, and adjust the relationships of all races and peoples. A world executive backed by an international force will be carried out. The decisions arrived at and apply the laws enacted by this world legislature. A world language will be either invented or chosen. A world script, a world literature, a uniform and universal system of currency weights and measures will simplify and facilitate the intercourse. And that will bring about a world federal system ruling the whole earth and exercising unchallengeable authority. A system in which force is made the servant of justice. I'm reading directly from this passage, friends. Baha'i. Force is made the servant of justice whose life is sustained by its universal recognition of one God, that is, the merger of all religions, and by its allegiance to one common revelation, the Baha'i faith. Such is the goal towards which the humanity impelled by the unifying forces of life is moved. So I say, in wrapping up this chapter, prepare, therefore, for the soon manifestation of the United Nations Savior. Your allegiance will be compelled by force. As Pope Francis decreed, a one-world government is the only way to save humanity. I don't know if I have your attention yet, but friends, there's a whole lot more going on out there than Ukraine. There's a whole lot more going on out there than Iran. There's a whole lot more going on out there than Joe Biden and his son betraying their country by receiving bribes in order to betray America's trust. Those are important things. No question about it. But friends, there's a much, much bigger picture going on out there. And the very man that would betray his country by receiving all of these bribes, as it appears, Congress has revealed, would also betray the foundations of his country with regard to its spiritual heritage and would be willing to turn over the sovereignty of his own country to a one-world government that is intent on godless rule by godless people, all who claim to be God. Get a copy of the book, Messiah Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, $22 on our website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. And friends, seriously consider becoming a partner, friends. This is tough business, it really is. Join with us.